Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning, everybody. And I'm hearing it's a sunny, clear day in the Front Range of Colorado. I am actually broadcasting today from Georgia. I'm just outside of Atlanta, looking out the window at a bunch of beautiful trees, and there's no snow on the ground here, so that's kind of nice. But we, we, we do need the moisture, and we've had some significant snow on the front range over the last couple of weeks, which is a good thing. We've also had some really cold weather that has firmed up the ice fishing. We are going to take you around the state, and we're going to talk a lot of ice fishing updates a lot of them are right in your backyard. If you want to get out for the first time and give it a try, or if you're a seasoned ice angler, we're not only going to take you around to some of the trout opportunities, but uh, during the Tight Lines Outdoors segment at 10 o'clock, we are actually going to talk about warm water species through the ice, like walleyes, crappies, even bass. We're going to talk about how to approach those in pike, and of course, we'll touch on trout at all different times throughout the show. We're going to talk some fly fishing today in a little bit, and also on today's show, we're going to t- touch on a couple controversies. Last week, we had the director of Colorado Parks and Wildlife on, and we're talking about the potential ban on, on predator hunting on big cats, mountain lions, lynx, and bobcats. We are going to, uh, Brad Peterson at 1030 uh, listened in on the committee meeting. He's not only going to tell us what happened in the vote, but he's kind of going to go through what happened in that meeting and the tenor of the conversation. And it's something we're going to, as outdoors people, we need to know to be aware of because this is going to come up again on our radar. Another issue that I'm going to talk briefly about later on in the show is the freedom to wade. You know, in Colorado, the landowner owns the bottom of the stream and you're not allowed. You can drift through it in a boat, but you can't get out and touch the bottom. That may be changing. I'm going to tell you about a landmark court decision here later on in the show. Let's go right to the phones and joining us from the Blue Quill Angler, and he is also in Georgia right now at a fly fishing show, Chris Steinbeck. Good morning, Chris. Hey, good morning, Terry. How are you? I'm doing okay. You know, you and I knew the right time to get out of town. <laughs> I can, we, we got out just in time for that storm and hit the uh, sunny skies of Georgia. It's nice. Yeah, it's a little cooler here than normal, but it's not anything like it is back in Colorado right now. And I'd like to say we feel sorry for the rest of the people, but we need the moisture and we didn't have to deal with it. So I'm glad we got it. That's it. That's so good. A couple things I want to touch base with you today. One is about the fly fishing show you're at here in the Atlanta area, because that show is coming to Denver next week. We'll want to talk about that. Uh, the other thing I want to talk to you about is just what's going on fly fishing in Colorado because we're going to have some great winter fly fishing coming up, and it's not that long before the rivers will even start opening up more. But let's start with the show. You're at a show right now. This is your second one this year. A uh, little different than COVID. I mean, we were all shut down. We didn't get to interact with the people in the industry and uh, the outdoor enthusiasts over the last couple of years. What's it been like to be back at shows again? Oh, Terry, it's been so good to be back at shows again. Um, You know, we did New Jersey last weekend. We uh, 
here, obviously, in Atlanta this weekend. And, you know, we get to connect with a lot of people who have enjoyed the Colorado outdoors and, you know, seeing people who move from Colorado out here. And um, it's just so good to be in the show scene again where we get to talk to a lot of people that we have in the last two years and, and see all sorts of different vendors that we haven't seen in a couple of years. And it's just so good to reconnect with everybody. And, and holy cow, the shows here just been taken off. We've had such a tremendous turnout here in Atlanta. Um, the show's been packed. It's been busy. Everybody's just been so friendly and so excited to get back into the, uh, the old fly fishing show scene. I know you kind of answered my next question, but we can expound on it a little. And that's what's the attitude of the people? Have they had kind of a pent up demand? Are they looking for information on guide trips on new gear? Are they looking to just get out and rub elbows with other fishermen? What kind of an attitude are you seeing? I think you just hit the nail on the head on all of them. You know, we have so many people that we've talked to that are like, they had trips to Colorado that got canceled because of COVID. And now they're really going forward with their plans. And so they're really excited to talk to it. There's a lot of fly fishing groups here that, you know, these guys haven't seen each other a couple of years. So they're just coming and hanging out, talking to each other. And, um, it's been nothing but positive energy, uh, going to Edison, New Jersey last weekend, Atlanta this weekend, and then back home in Denver next weekend, just the momentum and the attitudes towards that. It's just, it's a very exciting time and you know, it's, it's good. I'm, I'm happy we're back doing this again. Now, you talked about momentum. As you go to New Jersey, now you're in Atlanta. I don't know if you're getting a feel for what Denver might be like yet, but are you kind of seeing that momentum build? Are you feeling like we're growing better and better at it as we get into the spring? People are getting more comfortable, more excited? Yes, without a doubt. Um, the Denver show has so much buzz about it. I mean, even here in Georgia, we have people asking us about the Denver show all the time. And for everybody back home, I mean, the Denver show was one of the bigger stops on the whole tour of the fly fishing show. The show tours the entire country and we have vendors from all over the country, part of the show and everybody is jacked up to get to Denver. Um, they're anticipating it's a new venue. I'm sure you'll get to, but it's, um, it's just so much good, positive stuff going on from the conversations to the trips, to people looking at the new gear that they haven't seen in two years, you know, and seeing the new rods and, you know, and, the manufacturers that are supporting everybody. It's just so cool to see it. Well, let's, we'll talk about the venue in a minute, but let's talk about what people who go to the Denver show first, it's next weekend. Uh, is it Friday, Saturday, and Sunday? Is that right? Next weekend? Yep. Yep. Next Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And it's at a new venue, which is the Gaylord. We'll talk about that in a minute, but when people go there, um, are, is there going to be manufacturers? Is there going to be guides? Are you guys going to be selling merchandise? Kind of take us through what we should expect to see at the Denver show. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. So, um, yes, we will, you know, our shop, the Blue Coil Angler, we're going to have a big booth there, um, you know, with some new products that we've had come in. We're going to have our whole guide staff part of the show, our shop staff there just interacting and meeting people and talking to people. Um, these shows have seminars that they put on all day long for everybody who attends these shows. And these seminars are so good. If, if you're an angler really trying to perfect your cast, really understand the fly cast more, they have um, seminars for you. If you're a brand new angler to the sport, holy cow, this is such a cool event. You need to come because it's, they get to see a whole welcoming community in the fly fishing industry. Uh, they have seminars for the beginners to get going and fly fishing and understanding how to use a fly rod and, 
the manufacturers that will be there. I mean, those are the people, the manufacturers are supporting the fly shops and supporting the customers and the consumers and the manufacturers that show up are ones that we're going to support so hard as well. And it's just, yeah, um, it's a totally fun three days. Um, come out to the show, come check it out, come see a seminar, see the different fly shops all over Colorado. They're there all over the nation for that matter. People who want to come and talk to the fly fishing folks in Colorado. And so um, it's a great opportunity to see potential places where you might want to go fish in the future and meet a couple guides from that area. Or as simple as just coming to hang out and talking to a big fly fishing community in Denver. Um, I kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but the Denver show is notoriously known. So the amount of talent and the amount of big names in the fly fishing industry that will be at the show is going to be incredible. I need to talk about... I mean, legends and authors and fly, um, fly manufacturers, just everything. And so, I mean, I'm sure you can kind of pick up on it, but I'm a little excited to get back home and get kicking on this show next weekend. You really are. And let, uh, give people a few names, both regionally and nationally, that they might recognize that will be at the Denver show. Oh, yeah. You're talking guys like Pat Dorsey, guys like Ed Engel, who's a legend. Landon Mayer's going to be there. Matt Brown from um, I think out in Tennessee. He's one of the most tremendous fly casters you'll meet. He's going to be out there. Um, the list goes on and on and on, and it's uh, yeah, it, it's it's really really cool to see. Uh, they uh, yeah, and, and what's cool about it is a lot of those big names that they're so personable. They want to meet you. They want to talk to you. You know. They're so good at, you know, if you want to go pick their brains, like Ed Engel was one of the founding guys on writing about tailwaters and perfecting the tailwater game, which is out in Colorado, any river that's controlled by a dam. And so it's, uh, yeah, if you want to come learn about fly fishing or you want to just come experience what the show is like, and this is this place to be next weekend is at the Gaylord Hotel. And I tell you what, you mentioned some of the names that are going to be there, and some of these guys, as great as they are, are so humble and willing to just share information. Your own Pat Dorsey from the Blue Quill, maybe one of the most renowned guides in the United States. He's an author with several books, especially on the South Flat. And yet, when you talk to Pat, and I know him personally as a friend for years, just as you do, of course, working with him at the Blue Quill, and he is the most humble guy, and he is going to listen to you and understand, have empathy for what you're trying to learn. He certainly doesn't talk down to anybody, and he's one of the most knowledgeable fly anglers I've ever met. And he is. And, you know, that's what this whole industry is about, is, you know, passing knowledge to the next generation, and that's people coming in. And Pat sets the bar on being professional, and it's, you know, so, so many people are sometimes intimidated to talk to him because he has such a big name in our industry. And just as you touched on, you go talk to him. I mean, that's, it's, <laughs> you realize he's a normal guy and he's, he's been through it. He remembers when he was learning how to fly fish and he just really shares that experience with the, uh, with you, with that fellow fly fisherman. He even talks to me. <laughs> it shows oh, you that he has no he has no standards on who he'll talk to. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's um, good. so let's let's tell people where it's at this year because it's going to be in a different place. It's at the Gaylord. If you've driven out by the airport, folks, and you've seen this huge building complex that's just east east of Pena, I guess, or east of Tower. 
actually. It's kind of between Tower Road and 470. You can see it from both of them. That's the Gaylord Hotel. I probably one of the best ways to access it is to take Tower Road and then go east. But uh, you've been out there. What's the setup going to be like? You know, it's such a clean venue. That's what I'm really excited about. Um, the show halls look really big. Uh, there's going to be hundreds of vendors there. Um, it's yeah, it's a new venue. Obviously, it used to be held at the Mar- Merchandise Mart off 58th, and um, this is going to be a much bigger experience for the customer. It's going to be you know all all across the board new venue. It's the hotel that I've been through and I've seen in the halls. It's just it's really professional. It's clean. Um, it's going to be a great venue for the fly fishing show and allow it to keep growing like it has been, you know, except for obviously the COVID years. Right. And then are you expecting, are you getting any indication uh, from the show promoters that there's going to be a, a really good selection of exhibitors at that show? Yeah, we are. We, you know, I've talked about it a lot this weekend um, here in Atlanta about the vendors that are going to be out in Denver and, um, and it's everything. It's from fly shops all over the country. It's manufacturers from all over the country. Um, you know, there's going to be a ton of Colorado shops there. And so it, there's a lot of local people who, local anglers that we know who haven't even experienced parts of Colorado, you know, in terms of the fly fishing world. And this is just one of those opportunities to meet them. And so, yes, they are expecting a great turnout. Um, and I think the last I heard just last night was it's getting even bigger and bigger by the day. So. Um, that's yeah, awesome. Great you know, time. a couple, couple things. There is a charge to get into the show, and I don't have my note in front of me. Do you remember what the charge to get into the show was? I couldn't tell you off the top of my head, Terry. I don't want to give anybody the wrong information, uh, but yeah. it's not then, too expensive at all. And then they're also, unlike the Merchandise Mart, at the Gaylord, you're going to have to pay for parking. Just be aware of that. I'm sure there's a website. You can just go to the fly show. And I forgot to bring my brochure when I packed to go to Atlanta, so I don't have my notes in front of me. But you'll, will, you will have to pay for parking. You can pay for four, eight, or 12 hours. And it's a little bit of money to go to the parking. But if you're going to spend the day there, compared to what it costs you to do things nowadays, it's nothing. So people need to get there. And I want to get on to a fishing report from you. But before I do that, I, I want to um, just ask, now, you're probably going to have show specials at the fly show, special deals. Is that right? Oh, yeah. We'll have deals on flies that we're bringing down there. Um, we're going to have a lot of the new 22 merchandise that's coming from fly rods and packs and, like, fish pond stuff and sage and Costa sunglasses and um, you know, we got the newest of the new stuff and, um, we're going to be happy to show that to everybody. And yeah, and then like I said, we're going to have great deals running in our booth all weekend. Stop by, come see us and, uh, we'll take care of you for sure. Now, if I can't get to the show, but I want to just want to stop the blue at the blue quill angler. Do you honor some of those deals at the store too? We, we definitely will. If you can't make it to the show, you just come up after the show and just mention that, you know, I wanted to make it to the show, just didn't have time to or couldn't make it happen. We'll always take care of you, and, you know, that's what we're there for. We want to make everybody's experience with the Blue Quill as professional and as awesome as it possibly can be. All right, I'm going to keep you for a few more minutes because I want to talk some actual fly fishing. Um, as you and I say all winter long, don't put your long rods away. Everybody knows I ice fish, but I also fly fish. Some of my best fly fishing has been in the winter in Colorado. What are you seeing out there? You know, we're seeing a lot. We're, uh, you know, with these cold snaps that we've had, it's been a little colder on the rivers. Uh, we've been fishing a lot on the South Platte River down at Deckers. 
Uh, Deckers have been fishing really good. We're seeing, you know, typical winter stuff for the fly fishing, uh, fly fishing anglers out there. You're throwing a lot of small flies, little small midges. Um, in the wintertime, it will, a fantastic fly right now is a mercury blood midge, which is just a red blood midge. Um, the red midges this time of year are usually a great answer for the anglers. Um, small midge emergers like a Manhattan midge or an RS2. Um, and you want to be kind of think about the size 20s, 22s, 24s. Um, and so the water temperatures are, are they're cold. They're wintertime conditions right now. Um, but you want to focus your energy on the slower moving water, slower, deeper runs where the trout don't have to swim too fast or hold their place in a strong current. That's where you're going to find a lot of fish right now, whether that's on the South Platte or whether that's up on the Blue River or the Arkansas River below Pueblo right now. All those options are fishing great. Um, so you just want to keep targeting that softer water scenes right now. And, you know, a lot of times this time of the year, the flows are less. And I'll try to keep, uh, you know, it's nice to dry fly fish, but I usually end up with a, a nymph on. And a lot of times I don't put a split shot on this time of the year. I just use maybe one of my one of my flies has a tungsten head to kind of keep it down. It doesn't take yeah. much weight to keep it down, and it's so much easier to cast like that. And there's another benefit, too, in the fact that during these low flows, like you said, you don't need a ton of weight. But it's an also a great time to really go and research the rivers that you love to fish. You get to go and really see where those depressions are in the rivers and those shelves that sometimes in the summer high flows are hard to see. Um, but if you can go and scout that out right now, it's just going to be another tool in your belt. You'll know where that shelf is. And when that flows come up high, those fish will be stacked on that shelf and you're going to find them every day up there. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah, like you said, a lot of times in the winter, even those pools below those shelves that are kind of still almost will just gather fish. Sometimes you can find almost like seems like hundreds of fish in one spot. Now, I know you've, you've mentioned a lot of areas up and down the South Platte. I know typically like up on the Big Thompson still fish is good this year. The Taylor fish is good. There's tailwaters all over Colorado. And when these temperatures get warm, sometimes the snowy day is the best day to fish, though. Oh, I love fishing in storms. You know, it's a little bit warmer than what people think when it's actually snowing on you. Um, and it's, yeah, we're looking, Terry, for the next few weeks, next month, fishing's just going to get better and better and better by the week. We're going to start seeing more prolific midge hatches as we get into deeper into February and even into March. And, you know, we're going to start seeing our rainbows really start to think about spawning towards the end of this month and start getting up you know, into their pre-official pre-spawn mode. And so um, we've got, you know, Colorado, we've got through a lot of this winter and we have a great spring ahead of us. And, and right now, don't stop fishing. Keep getting out to the river. It's, it's worth your time right now. Yeah, I tell you what, I um, I know you got some clinics going on. Real quick, Karen just found the pricing for the show for me. And it's uh, $18 for a one-day pass. Two days, 28 for All three days is 38 Kids five and under are free, and six to 12 are $5. And military uh, under 16, and you, uh, military and scouts, and, or under 16 if you're a scout, is free. The military with an ID is 10 So that gives you, and remember, there's parking. Last thing, I know you got clinics and fly tying and stuff going on at the store. Real quick, and then people tell people how they get a hold of you. Yeah, you bet. You know, we have, we run winter clinics all winter long and really teach people how to fish in these colder temperatures. Um, you know, we have our, we kick off our normal 101 classes in April. 
We're running a ton of fly tying clinics right now. Um, this is the time we just love talks people as they get gear up for the season and start getting their fly boxes ready for what we're going to have in front of us. And, you know, God willing, we'll get a lot more snow and have a great water flows. And, and folks, if you have any questions, please reach out to us. We're here to help. You can call us at 303-674-4700 if that's telling you different public access places to go or flies to use. Um, you can find a lot of information on our guide service and our classes on our website at bluequillangler.com. And uh, we're also starting to launch a lot more videos on social media and YouTube. And so showing people how to tie flies in different patterns. And we're going to be doing that all summer long of different tactics and tips that really help people catch fish all year long on the rivers. All right. We got to run. But, Chris, thank you so much. We will talk to you again soon. That's it, Terry. Safe travels to you and Karen, and uh, thank you very much for having us on. You bet. We will talk to you. Hopefully, we'll see you out at the show next week. That's uh, Chris Steinbeck from the Bluequill Angle, and you fly, you fly anglers, hang on, because I'm going to tell you about something in the next segment that may change the way we fly fish the rivers in Colorado. And Terry Wicks from Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. By the way, that Eagles song, Take It Easy, a lot of people don't know that Jackson Brown wrote that song. He was living in the same apartment building as um, Glenn Fry from the Eagles, and Jackson Brown had a uh, just a brain lock. He couldn't finish the song, and Fry was up in his room, and they were jamming a little bit, and Fry came up with a line to that song that finished the second verse. And Jackson Brown said, hey, we co-wrote that song. Came one of the Eagles' greatest hits because Jackson Brown let them record it. But Jackson Brown plays that at his shows now. It's just a tremendous a little backstory because of my, my fun in the music industry. Let's go to the phones. Joining us from Discount Fishing Tackle is Austin Parr. Good morning, Austin. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me. And before I even get into it, we're going to do an ice fishing update. and We're going to talk about a bunch of things. I'm sure you were listening when I talked about the Freedom to Wade Act. What are your thoughts on that? You know, it's certainly interesting. Uh, I was not aware of that, and, and the list was the news to me there. Uh, but increasing the, the access to all of our rivers, as long as it's done in a responsible manner, uh, and with respect to landowners on the outside edges, I think it's a fantastic situation. Yeah, and it's going to have to be done right. And we're not used to it in Colorado. If it does go, I mean, there's, I'm sure there's going to be appeals. Uh, but most states, you do have access to the rivers. I know Minnesota, Montana, Absolutely. places I fish. It's a lot different than Colorado. Our culture here, because of that on the rivers, has been different. And it, that has created some animosity and difficulty, too. So I'm going to post, by the way, Austin, later today or tomorrow on my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, a link to that information. Please feel free to share it, okay? Yeah, Absolutely. All right, my friend, what's going on out there? We've got some cold weather. Um, we've had some snow. I think ice fishing has really settled into a great time. It has, yeah, and we have a, a lot of decent ice on the front range. 
before I really get into some of these bites. However, there are some springs that are around. I've gotten multiple pictures and seen some myself. Uh, I have a friend that went in on Cherry Creek yesterday on a spring um, with surrounding ice about seven to eight inches. So certainly make sure you're, you're being careful and not the guy that's out there taking the swim uh, with a spud bar out in front of you because there's good ice in a lot of places. But the springs are still around on all of our metro impoundments, so uh, don't take that for granted at all. But in general, we've been seeing uh, you know a really solid bite. Uh, Chadfield has been very worthwhile for a multiple a multitude of different species. Uh, the smallmouth bass along the dam area have really started to be picking up, uh, and, and we haven't seen good access to that area with safe ice. Uh, in the last couple of years. So we're, we're able to get out there now, and it's been fantastic. Uh, the one thing about those smallmouth is that they can be kind of picky. They'll come up, and you'll see them on your, your flash or for uh, a, really a, a period of time that's kind of annoying almost sometimes. Uh, but live minnows really are kind of the, the best situation when it comes to those smallmouth. We've tried all the spoons and jigging wraps and smaller jigs, and they, they definitely hit those, those live minnows better. And then when you switch over to the walleyes, a lot of times they're a little bit further south, so more on some of the humps that are just to the north of the roadbed as well as on the road itself. But uh, there's been really good fishing out there and a few on the live minnows, but that a lot of times I'll do better with some of the moving presentations. So a smaller jigging wrap, like a size 3 or a size 5, uh, but then also rattle spoons, like a Northland Buckshot rattle spoon or some of the clam spoons have been worthwhile. And those spoons, a lot of times I'm tipping them with a minnow head, but then the jigging wraps, a lot of times I'll leave plain just to allow for some of the better motion. All right. Yeah. And I want to reiterate too, what you started out with about the springs, because we did get a significant amount of snow. It's a lot more difficult to identify the good ice. So you really do have to, you have to proceed with caution. You have to check. Don't assume that just because you're standing on good ice that the next step is because the snow can really hide it. Sometimes it can be almost open water, not even thin ice, but it'll be disguised by the snow and the snow keeps some of those open areas from freezing uh, hard, but we do have a lot of good ice on the front range. You know, one of the things we don't talk about enough on the front range are the small ponds. What are you hearing maybe about, you know, places, you know, where there's maybe they're stocked with trout and these small ponds. Yeah. So same rain really comes to mind when we talk about that. There's a several ponds up in that state park. And for the most part, the ice has been worthwhile up there. Uh, almost all the ponds are open to ice fishing and they stock them really well right before the season comes on. And it's a great spot to just catch a lot of fish yourself or, or take someone new to ice fishing. Uh, minnows can be a good bet up there too, but then a lot of your same types of jigs that you would think about up in the early ice in the mountains will work also there uh, as well. So I really like things like a, a rat finky or a wolf finky, the, the tungsten version of the rat finky. Small tube jigs uh, are always a worthwhile bet. Definitely in some of the darker colors on the tubes, but then the rat finkies going with the peaches or the pinks can be best, tipping those with mealworms or waxworms. And I a lot of times will use the mill over the waxworm on my jigging rod and then set that middle on a dead stick right next to you. But uh, the trout are very worthwhile there. But the nice thing about St. Brain as well is you also have opportunities on a multitude of warm, warm water species. So you have crappies and bluegill opportunities as well as sawgye up there. Uh, and then even some catfish will come through the ice occasionally. So that's certainly a worthwhile bet. But then as you move into the southern metro area, back to Chatfield again, there's multiple gravel pit ponds on the south side of Chatfield, ones that are very accessible and then ones you have to hike into. Uh, and all of those have 
definitely a, a large mouth in them. Some of them have small mouth. And then you have perch and bluegill opportunities in those ponds as well. Um, however, you do not have much for any trout in those ponds. So it's more of the warm water uh, situation rather than uh, any of the trout. You know, one lake we don't talk a lot about that does have trout and warm water, and that's Bear Creek in that area. Have you heard anything from there? Bear Creek is certainly one that can get good ice and, and will hold ice longer than a lot of your metro bodies of water due to its low uh, proximity there, and, and it kind of holds that cold down in that little valley. So it definitely holds ice well. There's less springs there. And then the trout fishing is there absolutely fantastic. Uh, I've talked to multiple people that have been having even upwards of 50 to 60 trout days. Now, a lot of those trout are smaller stocked fish, but you do have opportunities to run into larger holdover fish as well as brown trout in there. And you have warm water opportunities as well. However, you don't hear about those as much. Certainly the trout are going to be your predominant uh, species, but shifting out into some of that deeper water, you can also have pretty good uh, sogeye and or smallmouth fishing, although I would say that the overall numbers would be better at a place like Chatfield. But if you want to just get into a lot of trout in a spot that you can park and, and have easy access to, Bear Creek is a good spot. Now, one thing to make mention of on Bear Creek this time of year, the hours are not super optimal in the morning to get out there and fish. So they don't open up until 8 a.m. So that early morning low light bite for the walleyes or the saw guys is not uh, available. But you can do the afternoon bite. However, the, the gates do close at 6. So you kind of have to get off of there early. So it doesn't offer as good of the low light bite like we do uh, out of Chatfield or Cherry Creek. But there's still good middle of the day opportunities for those trout. I know another lake that we don't hear much about that you kind of like is Monument Lake. What do you think about that? Yeah. Monument's an interesting opportunity. So it's just below 7,000 feet, and uh, which allows for live minnow use. Uh, and it has a lot of time up there, but then there's also a variety of warm water species, just like we've been talking about, with also the addition of northern pike. So working some, some shiners or some bigger fat heads down under some tip-ups are always a good choice for those pike. But it's one opportunity on a lake that you can actually do that with the, the live bait fish due to the, the fact it's under that 7,000-foot range. But then you also have plenty of trout up there. You can go and, and catch those guys. And then there are perch and bass in that lake as well. So it's one of those lakes that's a, a little bit higher elevation, so it will hold ice pretty well, uh, better than some of these other bodies of water when you start getting warm. But you can fish for those trout up, up shallow or shift out and work those pike. Uh, so it offers a multitude of, of fishing opportunities down there and one that you could potentially get away from the crowds a little bit. So on these weekends, uh, during this good ice, man, I'm selling a lot of minnows for folks heading out to places like Bear Creek and Cherry Creek and Chatfield. But places like Monument or, or uh, Barber Ponds up there at St. Brain may offer uh, a little bit uh, better solitude uh, rather than some of those bigger bodies of water. I tell you what, Austin. I want to. If can you stay through another segment? If I put you on hold, absolutely. Yeah. And when we come back, I'd like to talk about some of the tailwater fly fishing that you like, and I'd also like to see if you have heard anything from Pueblo Reservoir. If there's some open water fishing down there, is that okay? That sounds good to me. All right, we'll put Austin on hold. We'll bring him back after this break on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and 104.3 The Fan. Got you down and the world's crashing all around. You can always count on me. 
All right, you're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, the 1043 fan. By the way, that song is from my latest album release on all the streaming services. If you want to know more about our music end of our, what we do, just uh, you can either search Wickstrom and Dobreth on social media, or you can search Wickstrom and Dobreth in any of the streaming services, and our current releases of music will come up. Before I get back to Austin, I real quick, um, we're getting some texts on the line about some of the comments I made about the Freedom to Wait Act. And I do want to tell you, I'm not advocating either way, and I know I came across that way a little bit. We have a culture in Colorado of privacy of the stream body, privately owned. And if it does change, it has to change with deference to guides who get private leases and landowners so it's not overly disruptive. I understand that. And we have a culture. We don't want to just automatically just flip things. The other side of it is we have some very little used resources that should be available to the public. And we have a a demand for those resources. And that has to be balanced. And they're going to have to make decisions whether Colorado's law should stand compared to the laws in almost every other state. And we just want to be aware of it. All right, let's go back to the phones. Austin, um, when I let you you go, I talked about maybe some, since we're talking fly fishing, before we get to whether Pueblo is available right now or where it will be, what are you seeing out there for tailwaters fly fishing? This time of year offers really still some good opportunities to get out on the water now. Some of the last couple of days when you deal with the extreme cold can be a bit uncomfortable out there, but some of the days ahead now, uh, especially in the middle of the day, can be quite nice. And one of my favorite opportunities for that is down on 11-mile canyon. Uh, that particular body of water offers several miles of good open stream flow throughout the entire year, even on the most cold days. And uh, although you have to fish really small flies, a lot of times you can get into some great fishing. So uh, when you're when you're thinking about a tailwater, though, it's definitely all about downsizing. A lot of times I'm fishing the 20 to 24 size flies and midges and betas. Now, when we mention betas, that means a blue-winged olive. It's a small little mayfly nymph. And I'll use a heavier weed midge a lot of times, like a poison tongue or a tungsten zebra midge, and then trail something like a little RS2, which is a betas emerger, or maybe a bars emerger, or even a juju betas, all can be worthwhile. Now, when we're fishing that, it's the majority of the time, it's going to be subsurface nymph rigs with a strike indicator or a euro nymphing type application. But uh, light tippet, 6X fluorocarbon uh, is a lot of times required. But when you have that presentation correct, you can have great days and, and catch some truly high-quality fish. Now, other than uh, the South Platte, which goes through, obviously, 11-mile Cheeseman, Deckers, any other parts of the state you really like the tailwaters? Pueblo, like we were talking about, we'll get to the open water and the lake here in a minute, but the tailwater offers a great uh, opportunity for some nice fish. Uh, it's gotten popular over the last several years, but it still offers really good fishing. Uh, up north, you and I have talked about it before, but on the Big Thompson, that can be effective. But if you want to add a little bit of ice fishing into your, your weekend, uh, making a longer run out to Taylor Park Reservoir is truly one of my favorite trips in the, the wintertime period. In the early morning, we'll go out and fish for lakers or pike on the, the main lake itself. And then as the, the day progresses and that ice bite uh, will slow down in the middle of the day, we'll shift and head down to the tailwater. Uh, it's a micey shrimp tailwater, so that means that those fish really do get big. And we'll do these same type of rigs we just talked about for the South Platte, but shifting to that lead midge, uh, we'll exchange that for a micey shrimp and then trail and midge or betas below that. And you can have 
some of the biggest fish of the year down there in the wintertime. And by big, we're talking easily 10-plus pounds and a lot of times. And there's big, beautiful rainbows and browns. And then, obviously, high-quality fish in the lake itself uh, as well. You know, another area that's very much like that is um, the Yampa below Stagecoach. Absolutely. So the Yampa does require a bit of a hike in down to the tailwater, or you can run a snowmobile from the backside. But that particular body of water is is also very worthwhile, and it didn't take a lot of pressure this summer from some of the lower flows. They had to shut down some to protect those fish, but can do the same thing. Stagecoach offers great fishing. Uh, a lot of times I kind of describe it as the less pressured version of Antero, where you have big fish that grow uh, in a really fast way up there. Same type of ice fishing applications that we've talked about with the dead stick and the jigging rod. Trying to find that river channel on the western side can be effective and then shift down in the middle of the day once that bite slows and go and catch the fish on the fly. And I've even had great good uh, hatches down there in the middle of the winter as well. So small midges and betas coming off and some dry fly action has been good for me in the winter. All right. Let's switch gears real quick. Is there open water at Pueblo as the recent cold front kind of iced up the edges, or what are you hearing? I did hear there was a little bit of ice um, on some of the edges after this last cold front, but it should open back up, and there has been open boating down there. So it has been uh, a little bit slower, and it's always challenging in the wintertime down there because you can find those fish in that deeper water, but a lot of times, even with the knowledge of being able to vent some of the fish, I don't really like catching those walleyes or the smallmouth in much deeper than about 35 feet of water. So the challenge is finding them up higher. But that is a vertical jigging presentation, and when you can find them up a little shallower to avoid that barrow trauma to kill them when you're bringing them up, uh, the vertical jigging jigging wraps are one of my favorites, but one of the others that does well for me are PK spoons. Uh, a lot of times the, the vertical, like I mentioned, is good. And throughout the season, we usually will discuss casting those type of presentations. But in that deeper water, a lot of times Pueblo can be exceptionally snaggy. So I'll have better success just vertical under the boat, working two rods uh, with maybe a jigging wrap on one and then that uh, spoon on the other. And I'll, I'll jig one and then jig the other one on the other hand. But finding those fish on some of those structure points can be very effective. And not only can we get the smallmouth and the walleyes, but you can also get into some truly nice catfish in the wintertime down there. And people don't think about that on a jigging wrap or a spoon, but it's a pretty consistent bite uh, on some high-quality catfish. I think one of the state record catfish came in a winter or fall bite on spoons right on Pueblo. And don't overlook the trout at Pueblo. There is really a great population. You don't catch them in the lake as much during the summer because the water warms. They move away from shore. But if you're a shore angler, you can get in some pretty good trout fishing. In fact, the second biggest trout I caught in Colorado came at Lake Pueblo on a lure. So there's some good opportunities. About a minute or so left. I want to catch up with you. What are you seeing in the supply chain? Uh, are you still okay on ice fishing? And we're going to be getting ready for open water. Are people going to have a good access to gear this year? Yeah, so as far as ice fishing supply, I've still been sitting pretty strong on that, but it's been coming later. So that's kind of one of the reasons why that's still been okay as of late. As far as the open water tackle, it's pretty darn spotty. So companies like Rapalour and Pure Fishing are still struggling quite a bit. Um, I'm getting some colors of some things, but not as many as I would like. Uh, a lot of the European-made Rapala products have been very slow to be coming. Uh, reels have been tough. Rods, however, have been getting a lot better. So if you're looking to pick up a spinning or a casting reel, it would be wise to be thinking about doing that right now. Uh, and anything anything specific, really. I mean, there'll be stuff around. You'll be able to find crankbaits. You'll be able to find jig heads. You'll be able to find weights. But 
do you want the exact specific thing? That may be where you need to adjust and start thinking about it uh, right now. All right, my friend, if people want more information, how do they find you? I'm at Discount Fishing Tackle. We're six blocks south of Evans on the west side of Santa Fe. All right, we will talk to you again very soon, I'm sure. Thank you so much, Tim. You bet. That's Austin Parr. Always a great resource. Um, we're going to talk more about getting ready for summer over, later today and in the next few weeks because people are going to have to be cautious. They're going to have to, um, you know, you're going to be able to get out, like Austin said, and find things and be aware. But if there's specifics, you may want to look early, and we're going to start guiding you in those directions. By the way, we have a lot more ice fishing coming up in the next segment. Um, the folks from Tightline Outdoors are going to join us. And not only will we talk about some hot bites for trout and other things, but we're specifically going to talk about a lot of the warm water species, some of the body, bodies of water and techniques they're using to catch those right in your backyard, right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.